bringing to life the souls of the past that until now have been lost to history. Talking Heart Island is a half-hour weekly podcast that explores the history of Heart Island, America's largest mass graveyard. Heart Island has been used as New York City's Potter's Field since 1869. It is estimated there are over one million people buried there. Because of recent advances in DNA and fingerprint technology, the identities of some of these previously forgotten and anonymous people have been revealed. The results are truly shocking. Talking Heart Island will interview a special guest each week, selected from an extraordinary assembly of scholars, authors, and scientists in the fields of history, law, medicine, and the arts, as we unravel a secret kept hidden for 150 years. So welcome to Talking Heart Island. And now, here is our host, investigative history writer Michael T. Keene. Thank you very much, Norma Jean. And this is Michael Keene, and we are Talking Heart Island. Today's episodes are brought to you by Mercantile on Main Street, a Fairport, New York gathering place of local crafters, artisans, vendors, and collectors, bringing you an array of gifts, home decor, and crafts. And yesterday's Muse Bookstore, who sells fine books in all categories with a focus on rare and collectible materials. And you can visit them in their shop in downtown Webster, New York. When detectives and forensic scientists were called to investigate the Hart Island remains, any of them could have been unwittingly treading on additional mass graves hidden beneath the city's parks, buildings, and sidewalks. Hart Island may have been New York City's largest mass grave, but it wasn't the first. And I'm very happy to introduce our special guest today. Marie Carter has a fascinating background. She is a Scottish writer, editor, writing teacher, and tour guide. She is based in Astoria, New York. She's the author of two books, most recently, Holly's Hurricane. And Maria graduated from Edinburgh University with a master's in English literature. She was fascinated by New York City's macabre and little-known histories. And so she decided to further her interest by becoming a licensed tour guide for Burrows of the Dead. And tonight, she'll lead us on a tour of New York's most hidden cemeteries. And Marie, welcome aboard. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, well, we're doing great. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about our talk, and I thought that a good place to begin is for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I came to New York City 19 years ago. I had originally come here about a couple of years before on um, vacation, and I had just 
fallen in love with the city, and I didn't know what I had to do to stay here from an immigration point of view. Uh, but I knew that I really wanted to make this my home. And so I started out with an, an internship with a publishing house called Hanging Loose Press. And they really liked me. So they said, find out what you need to do to stay here. And then the rest is, is history. Well, speaking of the rest is history, how did you come to decide to become a licensed tour guide and then also for working for boroughs of the dead? Yeah, so um, in Scotland, there is a lot of ghost stories, a lot of history that I just grew up with very naturally. And uh, my first ghost tour was in York when I was 11 years old, and I just fell in love. I felt like this was a really exciting and fun way to learn about history, and it, it just stayed with me. And then I, I lived in Brooklyn for a little while. And I used to go for these long, ambling walks at night around Brooklyn Heights. And I used to always think, this would be a great place for a ghost tour. Somebody needs to get on this. And then I, I moved to Astoria. And the very year I moved to Astoria, I heard that Burrs of the Dead was doing a ghost tour of Brooklyn Heights. And I was like, oh, I got to go on this. This sounds fantastic. And I right. went on the tour and I just loved the combination of history, but also telling some of the chilling ghost tales. And it made me think, oh, maybe maybe there's room for something like that in Astoria. So I approached Andrea Jeans, who is the owner of Birds of the Dead, and, and said, how would you feel about a tour in Astoria? And she said, oh, that sounds great. And while you're at it, would you like to train on our other tours? So then I went and got my tour guide license and I learned the other tours. I uh, created the Haunting Histories and Legends of Astoria tour and and we went from there. And so it's, I, I've been doing the tours for about four years now and I think I'm trained on about eight um, coming up for a ninth tour where we're um, launching a new tour in October. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's still going strong. Well, great. Uh, well, you're going to take us on a couple of tours, I understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, but of course, Heart Island is uh, has been known for the last 150 years as uh, New York City's Potter's Field. But there have been previous Potter's Fields in New York. Uh, have you been to some of them? Uh, yes. So on our ultimate Greenwich Village ghost tour, we always take people into Washington Square Park. And what I like to tell people when I begin that section of the tour is that I had a customer on my tour who told me that he had a hairstylist who fancied herself a bit of a psychic. And she said when she came off the West 4th Street stop near Washington Square Park, she was suddenly hit by this psychic energy that so overwhelmed her that she came out of the subway station and went, oh, no, I don't think so, and then got back on her train and never came out of that area again. <laughs> and I think if if you are inclined to believe in that sort of thing, I, I could imagine that if... Um, 
if you're going to experience that kind of psychic energy, Washington Square Park would be the place to experience it. Um, this has not been historically verified. It's very hard to get um, the records, but the uh, there is an estimate out there that about 20,000 people are buried in Washington Square Park. And while it's hard to... You know, but... Oh, yes. No, no. I, I was just going to say as a point of reference, uh, for those maybe not familiar with that area of New York City, Washington Square Park is really the entranceway, so to speak, to uh, New York University. Yes. Um, and it's also, for, uh, from that section of the tour, we're usually coming from the Brown Building, which is the site of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Um, Actually, we're going to have a separate episode on that event in a couple of weeks, yes. Great. Um, so, uh, sorry, what were we talking about earlier? Well, so, so, so Washington Square Park is one of the original, I was either the first or second Potter's Field. Uh, there's also Madison Square Park, which I believe is also another one of the Potter's Fields of New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the parts of Central Park. Yes. Um, also, um, Bryant Park uh, on Fifth Avenue and okay. 42nd Street is a former Potter's Field. Um, and the Potter's Field have kind of moved around. Uh, there's been Washington Park, uh, Bryant, Bryant Square Park. Uh, then th this area of Hell's Kitchen, like around um, uh, 48th and 50th. And then right. going up to Randall's and on Ward's Island, um, that was also um, a potter's field from 1843 to 1845. Uh, so there's there's been like lots of different areas of the city that have been used as potter's fields at various points. But I think um, Washington Square is a very famous one because it was a potter's field from 1797 to 1825. So that's a long time for all these bodies to be buried in this one area. And a lot of the people right. who were buried there were um, people who couldn't afford a tombstone, um, people who had died of yellow fever, cholera, typhus. Uh, the, um, the belief back then was if you had died of yellow fever, you were highly contagious, so you needed to be out of the city um, and as far away from the, the living population as possible. So um, there was an insistence that if you had died of any of these diseases, that you should be buried in the in the potter's field. Right. You uh, A couple of weeks ago when we sp first spoke, you talked about the tour, I think you call it the Day of the Dead. Uh, uh, yeah. Which I guess, what what is that all about? Okay, so... Um, a lot of our guides are bothered by the fact that there is no marker for this in Washington Square whatsoever. Uh, there's a couple of statues of some famous people. Um, for some reason, there's a statue of Gary Baldy in the park. Um, but absolutely nothing at all that acknowledges that it was once a potter's field and for such a long period of time. And in fact, when they were digging around in the park in... Two 2005, and they were doing renovations, they found a tombstone for someone called James Jackson, who 
had apparently died of yellow fever in 1799 when the city had um, put out an order that anybody who died of yellow fever had to be buried in the right. in the park. And we had seen in the report that the parks department was thinking of putting the tombstone back in the park and using it as some kind of marker to commemorate what was once there. And we were really excited and curious about this. So we called the parks department and said, hey, are you going to put James Jackson's tombstone back in the park? And there there yeah. was a sort of uh, kind of point blank no. <laughs> and they didn't really want to talk about it any further. Uh, so we we had always... Well, why, why is that, do you think? Well, I, why did they not want to talk about it? I think they're... Um, there might be an attitude that that people would be maybe creeped out or put off by it being a former's potter's field. I am right. not exactly sure why they're not keen to even advertise or even commemorate the fact that it was once a potter's field. Um, maybe they just don't feel it's something pleasant that the tourists would be would want to know but anyway we i would we, think the tourists would would love to know don't you think <laughs> yeah i would love i mean as a tourist i would have loved to know that um so we decided to take matters into our own hands and on day of the dead last year um i created some a, a series of several reefs that were hand knitted with a kind of um, uh, a sort of um, wooden base. And we walked around the park and we read some 19th century poems about death and remembrance. And we placed each of the reefs in various points of the park. And I also had a little plastic tag with um, information about what used to be in the park. And we, we wanted that to serve as some kind of commemoration. I, I, the reefs are definitely not there anymore. I'm sure the parks department probably threw them out within a week of them going up there. But nonetheless, we're interested in having some kind of commemoration in the park. Um, and what's kind of interesting is that uh, Andrea Jane said that she was giving a tour in the park a couple of weeks later. And as she was walking down the east side of the park, when it was, it was really quiet evening and she just suddenly heard the voice of some gentleman saying, thank you. And she was like looking around and she was like, did anyone else hear that voice? There doesn't seem to be anyone else around here. And right. nobody else on the tour had heard anything, seen anything. And so she likes to think that maybe that was the voice of someone who is buried in the park who liked that little commemoration that we did. Sure. Uh, you know, you had talked to me about, and I, I don't know if this is a separate tour or not, but Forgotten Histories of New York as surrounding yeah. Trinity Church. And mm -hmm. something, a little story about the Sugar House. Oh, yes. Can you tell yes. us about that? Uh, so starting with Trinity Church, um, when we go to Trinity Church, I, I like to ask people 
anyone want to hazard a guess as to the estimated number of people buried in Trinity Churchyard? And of course, everybody immediately looks at the tombstones. And if you were to look at the tombstones, you probably hazard a guess of maybe 100, 200. And then, right. and then I tell them the estimate is actually 120,000. And of course, there's a lot Amazing. of shock at that. <laughs> and then as we, so I take them uh, down onto Church Street. And as you descend Church Street, you see that there is a huge hill that goes all the way down into the sort of bowels of the of that part of the city. And you can see like everybody going, ah, <laughs> um, uh -huh. this has like a lot of layers. Um, and then I also talk about a story from the summer of 1822 when there was a yellow fever epidemic and they had to bury all these bodies and they're trying to like squash them down and, and um, make the bodies dissolve with all this quicklime. And they're pushing all the bodies down into the churchyard. Um, and so then from there, and obviously like not everybody got a tombstone and, and from there people start to get a sense of, wow, that's how there is this estimate of so many bodies being buried in this churchyard. Um, right. And then I, you also asked about the sugar house. So right. the sugar house is, is really fascinating because that's in this very hidden area of New York City. Um, though you probably, um, to kind of situate everybody, there's, as, as you're walking down Chambers Street, you've got the, um, you've got the Boss Tweed Courthouse on the right hand side. And then you've got the municipal archives on the left. And then you're walking towards that civic fame statue. And then kind of like underneath this archway, if you keep continuing towards the east and you go underneath the archway, um, you come to this sort of curious looking little structure. It's just like this tiny brick house with a singular window. And that is the old, uh, that is a remnant of the old sugar house prison. And it's just like a tiny little piece of, of the building that once stood there. Um, and the sugar house prisons, um, this was like a, a kind of horrific part of our, our history during the revolution. Um, but this is where the British would, um, put the prisoners of war and the, the conditions were just awful. It was dank. It was dark. Um, people had no, um, nowhere essentially to urinate. Um, the food was, was just disgusting and horrible. The sanitary conditions were awful. And, um, a lot of people passed away very cruelly in these prison houses. But on top of that, um, there were also those prison ships, most of which were uh, stalled around uh, Wallabout Bay, which is kind of where our Brooklyn Navy Yard is today. And it's estimated that almost twice as many people died in the prison ships as died on the battlefield. So the estimates that roughly 11,000 people died aboard the prison ships and the conditions were so horrendous and 
um, like you could be next to someone. It was so dark, like you could be next to someone who had died and you wouldn't know that they had died until you started to smell their body rotting. Wow. Like that's, wow. How, wow. that's how horrible <laughs> these conditions were. So um, that's, that's another one of our, our stops on, on the tour. Now, let me ask you this. You had mentioned earlier on a tour, I guess somebody else uh, was leading, that somebody had heard a voice say, thank you. Oh. Um, have, have, have you ever experienced anything unusual or from the supernatural or what have you on any of the tours that you have conducted? I have to say, um, personally, I have never experienced anything on the tours. Um, I just rely on the stories that the other people have told me. Um, any experiences that feel like this could be the supernatural to me. I've experienced them, experienced them in other cities like Philadelphia and Savannah. Um, disappointingly, never New York. Really. Yeah. Well, I guess that'd be asking too much that you could run into something in every uh, city. Um, how about the uh, people who attend the tours? I mean, typically, how many people would be on a tour? Um, in October, the, the tour is usually maxed out. So somewhere around 20 to 25 people tops. And then mm -hmm. um, in the sort of quieter months, there's maybe about 10 to 15 on a tour. And and how would somebody make arrangements to attend uh, one of your tours? So our website is www.burrsofthedead.com. And on the site, we have a list of all our tours, and there's a calendar that tells you when all the different tours are taking place. Are there any particular times of the year where maybe it's Better. I mean, I'm thinking in the middle of the winter may not be the best time, but uh, yeah. but maybe not. I don't. I don't know. Um, any any good time? Best, better times of the year? Well, if you're looking for some breezy weather, um, mm -hmm. but uh, also you don't you're you don't like being around a ton of people, then I would say like April May is a nice time of mm -hmm. year to go. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, like everybody wants to come in October because that's probably the most atmospheric time of year. And if you're sure. if you're into a more festive atmosphere, um, October is definitely festive. Um, right but, around Halloween. Right around Halloween, yes. Um, even going into November, like when it's getting kind of um, into festivals like Day of the Dead. Um, actually, right. I really like early October for going on a tour because the, that atmosphere is still hanging around in the air. And yet mm -hmm. there's not too, like it's not too crazy and crowded and the weather's kind of nice. Like it's kind of crisp. The, the leaves are, are changing color in New York City because New York doesn't quite get its fall until the end of October, early November. So for me, like right. early November personally is my, my favorite time of year to experience that kind of tour. Okay, great. Well, we, I know we're going to have a lot of people listening to the program who live in New York and the surrounding area. 
And uh, so if you're looking for, uh, I guess we would say uh, a little bit different, unusual experience, you definitely want to check out uh, Maria Carter uh, from Burrows of the Dead. And uh, Maria, I really appreciate uh, your uh, participating in our program, and thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Norma Jean. I wanted to take a moment to remind you, in order to receive updates or news about upcoming episodes of Talking Heart Island, simply go to the subscribe page on our website located at www.michaeltkeen.com and enter your email address. If you have any questions about the podcast itself or simply wish to contact any team members for book inquiries, voiceovers, website or graphics design, use our contact page, also found at www.michaeltkeen.com. And if you're enjoying the show and would like to give us a review, please do so at iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. So until next week, this is Norma Jean, and we're Talking Heart Island. (laughs) 